Alrighty, everybody. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Coming to you on a Tuesday evening as we uh, are waiting for that last football game of Week 13. Uh, there will be some games coming down to this ball game. Baltimore Ravens hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Wiz, how are you tonight? Yeah, doing uh, <clears throat> doing pretty good. Uh, looking forward to the game tonight. I know uh, some real playoff implications uh, will be uh, based on what happens in this game tonight. Uh, we have uh, battling it out for the last playoff spot, and uh, one of the teams needs <clears throat> a pretty big game from the Ravens defense special teams tonight against the Cowboys. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and I think uh, you know talking about the. Talking about the NFC East in general, and we're going to recap uh, what we know so far from this season and uh, from, from sorry from this week thirteen and uh, big 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 week thirteen for the NFC East. A lot of different things going on. Uh, the announcement today, you had been talking about it for a couple of weeks now, but today that uh, Jalen Hurts will uh, officially be the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles as. You know, they, they probably are battling to stay out of the cellar, but the move has been made. You talked about this for a while. Uh, do you think, even with this very compromised offensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles, and we know it's been damaged goods, you know, virtually all year long, what is this going to mean for the Eagles kind of moving forward? Yeah, I think it will give them a shot in the arm. Uh, I think it will, you know, inject some life to them. You know, anytime you got a rookie quarterback and he comes in and, you know, uh, you know. Hopefully, he'll he'll play well. Uh, I'm a little, you know, dubious about what he's going to do in the passing game, uh, but I think he, you know, with his legs and his running, uh, he can he can inject some life into them. But listen, a bad offensive line is still a bad offensive line. Um, but you know, listen, it just. <laughs> You know, I, I can just keep saying I told you so and I told you so to the people that listen, but I am not a fan of Carson Wentz. I completely avoided him in, in any league that I'm in. Um, you know, I just don't like the way he plays the position on, on many different levels. And uh, we'll, we'll see what Jalen Hurts can do. But, I mean, I think he'll, he's going to inject some life into them. And uh, it certainly can't get any worse because Carson Wentz was just holding onto that ball, taking too many sacks, taking too many big hits. So uh, we'll see what Jalen Hurts can do. And uh, right off the bat, it's a pretty difficult task. I believe they're playing the Saints in Week 14. They are playing the Saints, and that pass rush has beaten up a few quarterbacks uh, in in the last few weeks. So it's not going to be an easy test for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the rest of the division goes, we'll see what happens with the Cowboy game tonight. We'll talk about that. But terrific win by the Giants. Uh, great game plan on defense. They just kind of kept that umbrella around uh, Russell Wilson and uh, didn't allow him to do the things that he normally likes to do in a game. So they were they were terrific. And, uh, hey, you were right about the Washington football game last night. I like the Steelers. You like the Washington football team. And, uh I'll tell you, I would have, if I could have wagered a hundred times what I put on the game, and when there was fourteen nothing Steelers, I would have. I looked at the inline uh, wagering at the time; it was fourteen nothing. Uh, they kind of made Steelers at that point like a twenty point favorite. Uh, you know, six beyond what the score was at the time. The Steelers in the last eighty games that they had a fourteen point lead at home was seventy eight one and one, and without Gibson. The Washington football team came back and won that game. And uh, I know you predicted Washington to win that game, but 
at 14 nothing without Gibson, <laughs> would you have ever thought that they were going to come back and win that game? No, I, I, I was extremely concerned at that point. I, I think, so the, the one thing that we've kind of talked about for the most part all season long is the front seven of the Washington football team. And I think you got a very good glimpse last night because probably a lot of people haven't seen this team in a nationally uh, contested game, uh, haven't seen them that frequently, although I guess we did see them on Thanksgiving Day. But, you know, this defense is for real. Montez Sweat played a great game. Chase Young made a huge stop on, on, on a fourth down play. This defense has played terrific all year long, and that's the thing that really kind of gave the team some momentum. I don't know what the hell the Steelers would do. We'll, we'll kind of talk about the Steelers when we start doing the AFC. But that was a very strange ball game in general for them. But this defense caused a lot of havoc. J.D. McKissick, who's going to probably be a very hot pickup this week because he's probably still sitting on some waiver wires, especially non-PPR leagues. And Logan Thomas... I thought a couple of times I turned around and Logan Thomas looked like Darren Waller running down the field. But I'm super happy. Again, we've talked about Alex Smith a ton. Just a great win for this team, Ron Rivera. And, you know, they're right there, neck and neck with the Giants. So the Giants can't afford to lose step because the Washington football team needs business. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting, uh, you know, uh, as it comes down the stretch between those two teams. And, um, both of those teams really emphasize the defensive side of the ball and are, are playing well. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting battle. And um, who would have thought that the Giants, without Daniel Jones, could go into Seattle and get, and get, a, get a W? I mean, that, that to me is even more incredible than Washington being down 14 points and winning at Pittsburgh. It's just just really incredible, um, you know, what happened in those two games. Well, the incredible, uh, the cr- incredibly ironic thing about this week's games that we have coming up, both the Giants and the, the Washington football team, they are playing two teams in the NFC West in the uh, Washington will play against the San Francisco 49ers, and the Gi- and the Giants are going to be playing against. Uh, the, Kyler Murray's got to come over here and play against the Giants. I don't know that I want to be Kyler Murray playing that game. It's 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 quite it's quite obvious to me that he's playing with a deficiency. Uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of move into the NFC West right now. That shoulder's bothering me. He's not running as much. A lot of head shaking. A lot of discussions between him and Kingsbury on the sidelines the other day. A very lackluster effort. You know, we, we both were kind of on this theme uh, last Sunday that we were kind of negative about Arizona. Uh, I had kind of faded Hopkins. I faded Kyla Murray as well. Um, but two big games coming up. So let's talk about Arizona. You know, do you think this is something because it's funny both Kyla Murray and Russell Wilson carried a lot of teams and all of a sudden these guys have kind of disappeared and have changed the prospect for those teams coming into the fantasy playoffs so can Kyla Murray kind of get this figured out because right now he can ill afford to kind of take a step backwards with the Giants on the next uh, on tap next yeah I mean I, I think they somewhat missed Fitzgerald he's like a real comfort blanket um Murray, so not having him in there and him coming back, especially like if you're going to play a game in the East Coast in cold weather, you know, kind of that fancy, you know, stuff that they like to do doesn't necessarily work in cold weather if they're wind, whatever, but good old Larry Fitzgerald, you could rely on him. So having him back, I, I think will help Hopkins as well. But I, I just am amazed every time I watch Arizona how 
little they use Chase Edmonds and, and just, you know, continue on and on with Kenyon Drake. Um, I'm a little surprised about that. Kyle Murray, I guess, is just playing through an injury. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, more concerning is that the Rams did whatever they wanted when they had the ball. And, boy, Cam Akers and Henderson, they were just running the ball over them. And uh, if you saw what the Giants' game plan was against Seattle in a cold-weather game or a game where it's not going to be those indoor, cushy conditions, uh, I think that's going to be the game plan for the Giants, just ground and bound them. And Wayne Gallman has been playing terrific football you know, for the Giants. I, I failed to mention him. He has been playing outstanding football. So Arizona's got something to worry about here. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough game. We'll see if the Giants can continue that momentum. But uh, yeah, I still feel you know pretty good about you know what what's going on uh, what's going on with the Giants. They they seem to be playing with a real intensity and purpose, especially on the defensive side. So let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers who last night lost that game to Buffalo. Um, I have to tell you, coming more than anything else in that game that I'm still trying to get my head around, Raheem Mostert looked outstanding in the first quarter, and I don't know what the hell happened after that. I am, you know, both of us were very confident about this player last night. I didn't understand the usage of the player. I didn't understand what was happening. You know, forget about it that, you know, Josh Allen had his way with this defense, uh, but I did not understand the usage of Raheem Mostert last night. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're what they're doing with the rotations, how that's working out, who's making decisions there, uh, but yeah, you know, just um, yeah, it, it just they, they're playing too much finesse football. They got down to the one yard line. I just hate that when you just you know, and the shotgun and the running back standing next to him, those inside handoffs, like get in the eye formation, get the quarterback. If there's a soft spot there, the quarterback sneak it in. Otherwise, let the running back come run behind the fullback and play some real physical football. Uh, kind of what the the Washington football team did when they got down to the one-yard line. Like, if you had about these tricks, like, you know, the, they're trying to play like Kansas City, then there was a penalty call, then they said, forget about that. Let's bring Peyton Barber in here, and let's ground and pound and get that touchdown. And that's what San Francisco needs to do. I don't know, Shanahan, you know, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good offensive innovator, but um, sometimes he just gets away from what he needs to, to do um, in some of these games. But more concerning was... I mean, their defense looked like Buffalo could do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted in that game. Unstoppable, no answers for uh, for Cole Beasley, no answers for Diggs. Uh, Davis, you know, uh, got him on a on a on a, on a thirty yard touchdown pass as well. Uh, single single Terry looked good after Zach Moss had that fumble, and they kind of like said, okay, forget about the timeshare. We're going to go with single Terry. So the Buffalo offense looked good and very concerning about that forty nine defense. All right, speaking of concerns, talk a little bit about Russell Wilson and what's been going on with the Seattle Seahawks. The offense completely stalled out against the against the uh, New York football giants. You know, do you think that they have to go back to the drawing board a little bit here in terms of what they were doing earlier in the season? What, what do you think is the issue with Seattle at this point in time? Because, you know, you got to be a little bit concerned as you head into the playoffs 
you know, this is a guy that you can just mark in uh, as far as results go for the first nine weeks of the season, and that has just come to a screeching halt right now. Yeah, and when I watch Chris Carson, it looks like he's not he's playing through that 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 foot injury that he's he's not a hundred percent. He keeps you know, tapping out to come out of the game and you know, whether it's Hyde coming there or DJ Dallas, you know, he's he just seems like he's not a hundred percent and giving him twenty, twenty five carries is what they really need to do and wanna do. And that's where when they're not that best and uh yeah, it hasn't it hasn't looked good for for the Seahawks, and uh, it was a strange game because for the f- entire first half, the Giants literally couldn't get a first down, and 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 the and and the field was flipped with the 49ers were taking over, and with the, with the Seahawks were taking over at midfield, their own forty, uh, tremendous field position, and all they could muster up was uh, was a field goal at, at halftime, uh, so that is. Is very very concerning, and I'm I'm worried that if that caution injury persists and it's nagging, then um, then and then they become one dimensional. Uh, it's going to be more trouble uh, as it goes on for Russell Wilson. The good thing for the the Seattle Seahawks this week is they do play the Jets. That's the probably the good thing about it. Um, but that's probably the only good thing at this point in time, uh, given the direction of this. I, I'd say um, the Los Angeles Rams have started to certainly move in the direction that Cam Akers is going to start being their main ball carrier. At least that's the way it appears to me. And I really liked, you know, again, coming into this game, I thought Jared Goff would have a good game. He did. Using all of his past receivers, uh, you know, I think he he ended up going to seven or eight different receivers in this particular game. Uh, It was nice to see him move out of the pocket, move around. It was a perfect setup for him. I, I was encouraged with what I saw from the Rams. And the Rams are now in first place in this division. So do they build off of this confidence that they had coming off this win against Arizona? Yeah, I mean, it's the same old, same old with the Rams. Talked about it before the game. Both liked them in this game. Rams get on top of you. Their offense looks great. They have, The Rams come, you know, start trailing in the game. Uh, it looks ugly. So once the Rams kind of were, were playing from the lead, they were mixing in the run beautifully. That's what they really want to do. They want to get Cup and Woods very close to 20 completions each. Uh, that's They were able to do that, keeping first downs, keeping the chains moving, mixing in the run. Tyler Higby caught a touchdown pass as well. Um, and Re- Reynolds looks terrific. Um, so I just think this is um, – you know, this is this is what they want to do. I think they they get in front of you. It does two things. Their offense becomes much more difficult to handle, and then that pass rush can get after you with the lead. So they're a team. You kind of can see how the game is going to go based on where it is, like after the first quarter, which is exactly what we talked about. And once you know the Rams started having a seven, ten point lead in the game, kind of their offense was unstoppable. Yeah, like I said, it, it, they they looked really good. It, it was uh, it was encouraging signs for me. Speaking of encouraging signs, let's move over to the, the NFC North. Uh, Kirk Cousins is becoming an every week start with this dynamic receiving uh, core now. I mean, uh, what Jefferson has done as a rookie, obviously Thielen was there before, but there is really tremendous results week in and week out from your Minnesota Football Giants. Vikings. Oh, Vikings, I'm yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, the, 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 yeah, I mean, but 
the thing is, the Vikings find themselves in these crazy games. If you look at the numbers at halftime, Kirk Cousins was not doing much, but the fact that the Jags kept it a close game and had the lead and, you know, uh, it, it really made Kirk Cousins uh, have to throw the ball. And, uh, yeah, I'll tell you, you know, I know you talk about Metcalf and, and, and Lockett, uh, but Elon and Jefferson really, at this point, probably take a backseat to nobody. They, they are a dynamic duo, and uh, I was ecstatic. Um, when the Vikings were able to get Justin Jefferson. I had him as one of the top three wide receivers along with Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb and uh, was shocked that that Rieger um, was taken right ahead of him and, and Henry Ruggs was taken much earlier in the first round. So the Vikings were thrilled to get him. I was thrilled to see the Vikings get him. And uh, he has been absolutely a force to be reckoned with uh, since – I don't know, like kind of like game five or six of the regular season, and uh, that duo of him and Thielen are, uh, are something to behold at this point. Yeah, I think they're both in the top ten for fantasy receivers uh, in the NFL this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Justin Jefferson is just, every week you look up the numbers, he's, you know, it's like eight for 117, you, know, you just almost book it uh, for his numbers, and he, he is... Uh, he he is so refined, and um, he really has worked on his craft. And uh, I, I just think he's you know just was so terrific his last year, senior year at LSU, and it just carried over the momentum. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. The Vikings are kind of in that playoff race, but can't trust them. And uh, they have a very very tough matchup against a Tampa Bay team who was humiliated and then has been on a bye week. So that one could be a tough one for the Vikings. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you mentioned the NFC. The NFC is much more wide open when it comes to the playoffs at this point in time. And the Vikings, if the season would end right now, would actually have that seventh spot. So, you know, we know how good Cook has been this year, but the receivers have been equally as good. Um, speaking of good, I think Aaron Rodgers and, and – uh, I think it's now down to Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes for MVP in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams just can't get anything wrong right now. And hopefully Adams can finish strong, stay on the field, not get hurt. But Rodgers has been terrific, and now he's gotten um, uh, Alan uh, Lazard back, which is helpful as well. You know, you talked about Tanyan last week uh, as being a nice play. He had another touchdown this week. I actually see in a lot of leagues that I'm in, where you only have to carry one tight end, that Tanyan is actually not rostered in some of those leagues. I think that's a mistake. I think Tanyan is is top seven or eight uh, tight end. He should not be on any waiver wire whatsoever. That's especially in shallower leagues. But this is a guy that's performing at an elite level. But you have to love what Aaron Rodgers has done. We were, were equally surprised at, at kind of the Packers' success thus far this year. Uh, but you know, you what can you say? Aaron Rodgers is in the MVP equation. Yeah, there's no, there, there is no question about it. Um, you know, I wasn't. I, I don't think people were like you know happy with what the Packers did at the draft. But I will say this: this Matt Lafleur, he is a tremendous designer of offensive schemes, and. Uh, he, the, the way he designs these plays, especially when you watch Green Bay get down to the goal line, it's really brilliant uh, what they do with Adams. And it's like, you know, 
even when the Packers are inside the one-yard line, they just feel more comfortable throwing the ball to Adams with these design schemes that they have than even giving the ball to Aaron Jones. I, I don't know how many touchdown passes of five yards or less Devontae Adams has this year. I'm going to look this up before the next podcast, but I'm going to say it is a unusually high amount. When they get down there, they just have this way of getting him the ball, and uh, it just seems as of yet, nobody has been able to design any defenses that says, okay, we're taking away Adams, and we're going to let Lazard and Jones and Williams and Tanyan beat us. Even Mike Zimmer, who is under that defensive branch of Parcells and some of these great defensive minds, even when they played the Packers, uh, especially the first game when they played in Minnesota, couldn't figure out how to stop that Rodgers to Adams. And uh, right now, that's the most potent uh, That's the most potent combination in the NFL right now. It is. It really, it really is a potent combination. Um, you know, speaking of potent combinations, I couldn't have gotten uh, anything more wrong than those Chicago Bears uh, on, on on actually liking them in this particular game. Thirty four twenty lead. A little over four minutes. Uh, sorry, thirty to twenty lead. A little over four minutes left in the game. They end up losing the football game. Uh, complete disaster as per usual. I'm not sure. Matt Nagy's, you know, well, I'm pretty sure Matt Nagy's not making it past this season as a Chicago Bear coach. Allen Robinson continues to excel. We're continuing to see good play out of David Montgomery. Trubisky making his mistakes. Uh, this defense is getting gashed as a result of, you know, team not being able to stay, sustain drives. And once again, they played the Detroit Lions in division. You know, the Lions uh, changing a, a, co- a football uh, coaching change. Uh, and once again, a team responding to a football change, a football coach change. We've seen that with Houston. Uh, we saw that with Atlanta, at least early on. I don't know if this is the beginning of a run for the Lions in any way, shape, or form. They need De- DeAndre Swift and Kenny Galladay back, you know, ASAP. Uh, I think they may get Galladay back. This year, at least that's uh, what we've heard. But uh, the one thing I would say is the, the number one pick for the Chicago Bears, sorry, their first pick in this draft, Cole Komet, seemed to be on the field a lot more in this particular game. He scored a touchdown. Uh, you know, do you think finally the changing of the guard is happening with Jimmy Graham is uh, being phased out of this offense? I'll let you talk about these two teams a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, the if they told you before the game Chicago was going to score 30 points and the Lions are playing on the road and the Lions don't have Swift and Galladay, that game is supposed to be over. The Bears scored enough points in this game. Yes, the last possession, they they sacked strip, um, Trubisky and, and they had the ball inside the 10-yard line for the last touchdown. But other than that, Matt Stafford without Galladay and, and Swift threw for 400 yards against them. So the, the blame game, in my view, for this one has got to be way off that offense and all on that defense who they can't stop anybody. And uh, uh, it was it was very unusual to see how easily – the Lions, without their two best weapons, move up and down the field. Uh, so th- that was very concerning. And, uh, yeah, I think this could be a fun game from a fantasy perspective. It looks like the Lions are going to play a different style of offense with a lot more urgency and getting a lot more plays off. And uh, and, and this game at home against the Packers can be a lot more fun. As far as the Bears go, um, there's not really much to say. 
Montgomery and Robinson, as you mentioned, are two much starts, must starts every single week. And, uh, yeah, Mooney and Miller just, you know, not factoring into, aren't factoring into much of these games. And uh, Cole Komet, I guess, is going to be used a little bit more, but I don't trust that that will be the case because who knows with what they're going to do. Maybe next game will be more Graham. But um, it's very difficult to watch how Chicago's defense has gone in just a matter of two years to a team that you can't move the ball against, to teams that have absolutely no fear of, of playing. Ask you one question uh, for dynasty leagues, and uh, you know this player is probably sitting around in ninety-five percent of all waiver uh, on all waiver wires. Uh, but Quintez Cephas, who in the beginning of the year when when um, when um, uh, Galladay went out, played a little bit. He actually had one decent game early in the year. He scored a touchdown in this game. I know you, I know you like this player um, coming out of coming out of the draft. You know, Marvin Jones is aging. Danny Amendola is aging. They have a great young tight end in, in, in Hawkinson. But I, I don't know. He's a physical specimen. Um, Cephas is. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. Is this something that some people, if they're in dynasty leagues, need to pay some attention to what's going on there? Absolutely. I mean, you know, sometimes it's like quotes from other players and Jeff Okuda, who is the <clears throat> number two overall pick taken by the Lions from Ohio State, said that, Quentin Cephas is the Quintez Cephas is the best wide receiver in the draft. He's the best wide receiver I ever played against. Um, and yeah, I, I don't necessarily know if Marvin Jones is going to be back next year, but uh, yeah, I think there's a there's a real chance that um, that Cephas, given the opportunity, can continue playing well and. Uh, for this year, you know, it all depends on what happens with Galladay. But if he gets his chance, I think he'll make the most of it because uh, that offense looks uh, looks good. So it's a player to look as far as DraftKings go and certainly maybe as a pickup in an emergency situation down the stretch for the fantasy football playoffs as well. All right, so let's move to the last division in the uh, NFC, which is the South. We had two teams that squared off against one another, and that was the Falcons and the uh, New Orleans Saints, and two teams that were on the bye, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and Carolina. So let's start with the two teams on a bye first real quick. So what do you think Tampa's going to do as they come back? I know they've spoken a lot more about the amount of touches I've, I've seen about for Ronald Jones to kind of handle. I think in Carolina, the question is, is McCaffrey coming back? Uh, what's the story with that injury with Teddy Bridgewater? Because he was left the last time we saw him, his, his arm looked like it was hanging down to the floor. Uh, we did, we have, we had an injury to DJ Moore. We've got COVID that's kind of broken out in Carolina as well. So, so there's some stuff happening there that I think owners are going to kind of have to watch for at least coming out of this break. Yeah, the Carolina situation is really looks, uh, you know, like it, it, it could be very tumultuous. I mean, you have DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, um, one with COVID, one injury-related, and Christian McCaffrey with that shoulder, and, uh, and, and there was some apparent injury with his shoulder or arm as well with Bridgewater, so you're not quite sure how that's going to work out. But the, the way that offense is, is is used, I mean, there are a lot of fantasy-relevant players, so you have to keep your eye on um, that and follow the injuries because either guys uh, that are going to play or guys that may get their chance to play because the other guys are missing time. I mean, a guy like Robbie Anderson may get a tremendous amount of targets uh, these next few games, so he may really move 
move up as far as somebody um you know that that has to be considered uh and, and could be so important for the fantasy football playoffs as well and as far as Tampa Bay goes I don't know I mean I think you know the bye week will do them good they were on fumes that defense was getting lit up so maybe they'll be rejuvenated and come out uh better I expect that to be the case uh yeah I know they want to get Ronald Jones the ball but I think what they want to do is they really want to run some play action and get the ball down the field and uh and make some big plays in the passing game. They just haven't been able to, you know, connect on those long passes, and I think that's something they want to get right. Otherwise, teams are just going to keep crowding the line of scrimmage and coming after Brady. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. They've have, you know, it's at least in the beginning of the season, Brady tried to get the ball down the field a little bit, but we've seen basically none of that. So I, I would actually look to see how that kind of comes out of the break as well. Um, New Orleans Saints, you know, here we are in another season. Last year, Teddy Bridgewater goes 5-0. and Right now, Taysom Hill is, I believe, 3-0 and and has not thrown an interception as a starting quarterback. Granted, two of those games have been against the Falcons. Um, so Sean Payton's getting a good glimpse of, of, of what it, Taysom Hill could be as a quarterback. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts if, if he is actually, in your eyes, the, the future of this team. Uh, Alvin Kamara finally surfaced on the, on the fantasy front in this particular game. I'll tell you one thing that's going on is the complete inefficiency of the Atlanta Falcon offense has made made uh, has made Koo an absolute fantasy superstar kicker. This guy's kicking three, four field goals a week. It's just unbelievable. So Atlanta's running game is nowhere to be found, but they can't put the ball in the end zone at all. They, they can't get the ball in the end zone. It's unbelievable. So, you know, what's your thoughts uh, on both of these teams as they squared off against winning each other? You know, Matt Ryan did have a chance to win this game at the end of the game. Um, threw in Hail Mary, but didn't work out. I think it was a tough battle. I think Atlanta's defense has played much better uh, as the season has, has worn on uh, and, and since Dan Quinn has been uh, uh, relieved of his duties. But, uh, you know, once again, an undefeated backup quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, the Falcons, my concern for the Falcons are two. One, the first and foremost is I would not be surprised in the next week or two the most. You're just going to see them shut down Gurley. He looks terrible. Um, and it's that knee. And I, I just think he's going to get shut down. I, I would not be surprised. Matter of fact, I would be more surprised if you didn't hear information in the next week or two that Gurley is shut down. I think he could be a crushing blow for fantasy football owners who have him. Hopefully, if you do... It's difficult. You know, Smith looks like he's getting more of the more of the playing time than Brian Hill, a bit more effective. But I, but as far as Gurley goes, I think that's going to be shut down. And you know, Julio gutted out and, and had a good game. I think at 90 yards receiving, so he he's solid. I just don't know, like, if the Falcons really fall out of it, what the motivation is going to be for him to continue trying to play through through, through that injury. So though those two concerns are the most. Um, uh, at the top of it for the, for the Falcons. As far as the Saints goes, yeah, I mean, Taysom Hill, aside from that stupid turnover where he was trying to do too much and not realize the type of player he is, he's not Drew Brees, he just needs to protect the ball, and he had that stupid fumble when the 
Saints were about to wrap up the game and, and gave the, the Falcons life. But he's been efficient. He, you know, brings another dimension to it. I mean, I think he certainly hurts the value of Kamara and Latavius Murray. More so Kamara because I just feel like when they get down there that, you know, he's going to take it and run himself a lot. And uh, Drew Brees is never going to take off and run the ball from the 8, 10, 4-yard line. I mean, he does those quarterback sneaks when they're at the, the one-yard line where he just jumps and lifts the ball over the goal line. But he's never going to do that. And uh, I think Taysom Hill takes some value from rushing touchdowns. Unless Kamara had like a good 11-yard touchdown run, I think that was. But when they get down there, like inside the five, Taysom Hill is looking to take it in himself. So he's been efficient, but some of the other players definitely are losing a little bit of value in terms of Kamara and Mike Thomas. Even though I know Mike Thomas had a good game as well, those players are just a better off for the Breeze, in my opinion. And the question is, you know, there has been some reports that we may see Breeze as early as this week. Uh, have you seen any updates on that? I, I, initially, it was it was deemed to be a, t- a week 15 situation, but it, it's possible that Drew Breeze could be back as soon as this week. I have not seen anything as of yet. I think Sean Payton went back on that and he said no timetable for Drew Breeze right now. So I think, you know, it's becoming a tricky situation where – I don't know if they're going to wait if they lose a game or whatever, but I don't know. Kansas City's coming up on deck um, in week 15, I believe. And, man, what an interesting situation that would be if Drew Brees is ready to go. Um, would you be more inclined to play Taysom Hill and kind of like trying to have a little bit more of a ground-and-pound running game and keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. So we'll see how that plays out. But the latest thing I did see from Sean Payton where he said, you know, no, there's, there's, there's no timetable for Drew Brees right now. So Yeah, it looks like yeah, that game is in Week 15, as you talked about. Um, the Saints are hosting uh, the Kansas City uh, Chiefs in the national game uh, on, th- on, on Sunday afternoon in Week 15, which will be uh, – Certainly, a, a a lot of people will be looking at that for their fantasy f- football playoff matchups, without a doubt. Oh yeah, that, that figures either way to be a terrific game. Anytime you get Patrick Mahomes in a dome with optimum throwing conditions, you know, against a, a good defense and a good offensive team, it total could be looking at sixty plus for that one. All right, good stuff. Uh, anything else to add on the NFC, or do you, or do you want to uh, kind of move on? No, we'll take it, and then we'll uh, let uh, sign off, and we'll uh, do an, uh, the one on the AFC next. All right, so Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. We'll be right back with some AFC uh, recaps as well, uh, and we'll talk in a little bit. Wiz, thank you very much. You got it.